You're listening to Checking In, a self-help book club hosted by Adam and Amber, where we read self-help books each week and sit down to talk about them. Disclaimer, the opinions recorded on this podcast are our own and do not reflect the authors mentioned here. Hey folks, we're back with another episode of the book club podcast. <laughs> what's the what's the show called? It's called Checking In, oh the God. book club. Jesus. Uh, I had a few ideas for today's episode, but first I wanted to get uh, get you to say what the name of the book probably is. It's called Cues. Yes. I know there's like some words after that. There's definitely some words after that, and I wanted to be... And definitely some words after that. Cues. Master the secret language of charismatic communication. Uh, I needed to read this book so bad because I think I'm one of the least charismatic people uh, uh, on this podcast. I will... <laughs> if we're talking in terms of the team, um, I would definitely say you're you're more charismatic than you think you are, I think. And so are you, dear listener. Uh, <laughs> um, so I'm going to tell you real quick what this book is about. Cues. What makes someone charismatic? Why do some captivate a room while others have trouble managing a small meeting? What makes some good ideas spread while other good ideas fall by the wayside? If you've ever been interrupted in meetings, overlooked for career opportunities, or had your ideas ignored, your cues may be the problem and the solution. And this is written by Vanessa Van Edwards. She's written a whole bunch of Fake stuff name. lately. That's not that's not that's, her name. Okay, we're we're not here to dox her uh with her real name. Uh she's also Lemony Snicket. <laughs> uh Vanessa Van Edwards is a behavioral investigator with Science of People, which is a, a company, I suppose, and author of Captivate, the Science of Succeeding with People. She's also a body language trainer and specializes in science-based people skills. So tell me uh, your just like elevator pitch for the book as you <laughs> understood it slash first impressions of it. Um, so I feel like I'm grateful that this is what we tackled after the deeply traumatic Codependent No More week. This one was a little bit lighter for me, and I'm really going to try this time to speak on this recording as she would instruct me to, with a lot less filler words, a lot less ums and ums and likes and you knows, but... If anyone listening knows me, you would probably know that a book like this is way outside my wheelhouse. <laughs> um, I am not a capitalist, so I don't think anyone would know me as she really wants to like move up the corporate ladder. And she is a woman working in corporate America, and she is, you know, just gonna get stupid, stinking rich. Like I don't think that's kind of my anything anyone thinks of when they think of amber here <laughs> so sure. so for me this one was was definitely outside of anything i would read um normally but there are very helpful things in it um 
there are things that I think are a little goofy and silly. I think there's probably <laughs> going to be something a little goofy and silly in everything that we read. That's also you know, true. Just, and it's it's going to vary, you know, from listener to listener. Yeah. And also from reviewer to reviewer, which is why we're having a book club about it. Yeah. So I guess I was attracted to her slash this book because I feel like I'm invisible a lot of the time. Like, I learned to, to get out of the way. I learned to make myself small and not stand out. Because when I was in school, the kids that stood out were the ones that got picked on first, loudest, the hardest. And it seemed like my classmates wanted to, like, round all of my corners off. So, like, anything that was interesting or different about me had to get, like smoothed and sanded away until eventually I'm just invisible. I feel like this is one of the books where I'm like trying to bring me back and figure out like I got so good at being invisible. Oh my God. How do I stop being invisible? Uh, Vanessa Van Edwards, please help me. (laughs) So I was pretty excited to read this book, but I got to say by the end of it, I was ready to move on. Yeah, yeah, it was a quick one for me. I kind of got through it pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and a lot of it's kind of things like, well, obviously, you know, like it's like lean in when you're interested in what someone has to say to you and face towards them and smile at them. It's just like, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's generally what I do. Um, I don't really think about it. Amber didn't need to read this book because she's so charismatic. No. Yes, <laughs> is obviously. What, is essentially what obviously, we're saying Obviously, I'm like, this is not very helpful. Um. I have a completely different, like, a lot of the stuff that she talked about, I was like, what? What do you mean people care about this stuff? Like, I've never thought about maybe half of the things in the book that she mentioned because I'm just like, why, you know, why would people care? And this, this goes back to... Uh, you know, the music stuff that I do where I'm just like, okay, so what does it matter if I know the booking person here or have talked to them before versus like just cold contacting this other person? Like if I tell them, you know, my list of accomplishments and what I want to accomplish, you know, hello, here's what I want. Here's what I can do. Here's the number of people that I can bring. Here you go. I don't understand. I don't inherently understand why a stranger wouldn't respond to that like they would a friend of theirs going, Hey man, I want to come play there in front of 15 people uh, on Thursday. Is that cool? Like, I don't, I don't get the whole, like, let's, let's handle my friends first thing. And that's what this book is kind of like, well, we're trying to crack the code as quickly as possible to get strangers to respond as if they were already your friend. You know, like what what an interesting like way to try to hack life, essentially, because I don't inherently get this stuff. I don't necessarily want everyone to be my friend that I interact with. I can uh, dig that. <laughs> um, I personally feel like a lot of these formulas that are presented in the book are almost kind of erasing people's like really special quirks and personality and things that make them really unique. 
um, I don't really want everyone I interact with to feel like they're selling me something or they're trying to get my attention in some sort of significant way. Like I kind of really like genuine interactions yeah. <laughs> and some of this stuff feels like, well, if you're thinking about all of these things, like where your feet are pointed and what your eyes, eye muscles are doing and how your voice sounds and the typical words that you're using, are you really even listening to the other person? Like, is this even a conversation anymore? It seems like it's a lot of, there's so many things that you would have to work on to excel at what she's talking about. I think it would be interesting to walk away from this book understanding like maybe, well, here's, you know, 15% of the book is stuff that I'm going to keep in on my mind when I'm dealing with people in certain situations. Like, let's say I'm supposed to go into a meeting and, and pitch something like, you know, here's, here's our new single and here's why I feel like you should be interested in it. If I go into that meeting like I did just a little while ago and basically not say anything and just, hey, man, thanks for blah, blah, blah. Uh, if I were to go into the meeting like, okay, this really counts. I'm going to think about a couple of things that she mentioned in her book. These are just a couple that that come to mind. I'm going to work on those. What were, uh, what were a, like a couple of things that she said that you felt like were good ideas for you that resonated for you yeah I think that a lot of the tips she had that I guess were the most helpful for me was the ones that I guess would be considered more gendered um things that women do that are unfortunately perceived as less competent yeah, and, perceived as, like, weakness. Yeah. Um, like, she does a brief segment on vocal fry, which is a highly gendered, nuanced kind of new thing that has happened that people get irritated by for some reason just because <laughs> it's women doing it. <laughs> yeah, that and upspeak were a couple of things that oh, she right. talked about. And I do that without knowing it, I think. Um I will say... I do that without knowing it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I will say um, I was very, very into the part where she talked about how you can detect liars because... Yeah, I knew you would dig that. <laughs> I knew you would dig because that. Because I assume everyone is lying to me. I was going to say that uh, if you didn't. That, that <laughs> it, It's very, very true. Amber does default to, I think this person's lying. You know, or whether this person's it's, full of shit. Right. And it could just be like a friend of yours describing how their day went. You know, <laughs> even the, like, well, this is highly suspicious. <laughs> um, Well, she didn't include the part where I, I, it might be in the footnotes, maybe, where mm. she was talking about how men breathing is also lying. I don't know if you missed that one. I missed that part. Yeah. What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> What do I need to not be doing right now? <laughs> You're saying that breathing means that I'm lying? Yes. Um, what was what did she say? No, uh, she did not. It wasn't gendered in that part. But the lying, you know, people who 
have a weird inflection on certain words or people who shift their eyes around. It's kind of telltale things that you might. I remember I kind of laughed when we got to the part because I was like, well, I've seen enough true crime police interrogation (laughs) videos and I can, you know, I can vibe with this. I'm picking up what you're putting down, Vanessa. Absolutely. The human lie detector test. (laughs) Like, I get this. So it's kind of like telltale things that you might see on a true crime podcast or not podcast because you can't see it. That's goofy. Um, A true crime documentary as us white ladies in our 30s love what about a true crime rockumentary (laughs) that would be is that not spinal tap is that (laughs) i guess because we've got the aspect of their exploding drummer Mm -hmm. um hey amber by the way i had an idea for like a new theme song oh Oh, right for the podcast (laughs) um and uh it's i you know let me know if i missed anything here I'm talking about the book I think it's short. It's to the point. It doesn't mention anything about checking in. But um, just one more time here. I'm talking about the book I think our podcast is now um, a syndicated morning show followed by Rick and Bubba. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, here is a, a part that I just, as I got like a third of the book left i instead of just like taking it in like a normal human being i actually wrote a few notes to to help out with talking points with the podcast like people who do podcasts are supposed to do one thing that kind of blew my mind was uh that reading job qualifications to the uh prospective employer versus just emailing them people were rated much higher when the employer could hear them speaking. Hmm. And just as as a person who has on occasion hired people, uh, I don't understand that. Like, I don't understand why, like, cold facts and figures wouldn't be the selling point, you know, because you might get some really super sweet person who is a really good talker come in and do jack squat. Like, <laughs> I personally would not, rate somebody higher just because I heard them speaking like are they maybe talking about the thing where it's like well this person's really hot so I'm gonna hire them I was about to say I think it might be just which didn't she call it like the beauty something beauty tax or it's just like you're more attractive you know and I think (laughs) a lot of charismatic people are just hot people um, or people who at least have the confidence like, to think they're hot. Like because they're <laughs> hot, they had the extra time to work on things like yeah. like charisma. So what what does Vanessa mean when she talks about charisma? I thought this was this was interesting to me that she had broken it down into a couple of factors that she could put on a graph. And one of them is warmth which seems pretty obvious, like I get that, and competence is the other factor for charisma. So people that are very low in warmth and very low in competence... (laughs) are in the danger zone. They're in the danger zone. And I, like, was singing the danger Danger zone song throughout listening. Highway to the danger zone (laughs) by Kenny Loggins, of course, from the original... Uh, Top Gun. I'm like, what? It sounds kind of cool. I want to be in the danger zone. And the other thing of of competence 
makes a lot of sense to me also. So like I I would just imagine like you combine those two things into like an extremely knowledgeable person who is also warm. And I think that okay, so if we're talking about you know, listening to your typical NASA scientist give a really dry presentation <laughs> on like, well, okay, so here is what we're doing. All of the the nerds, God bless us, are going to be listening, you know, completely with rapt attention, like, oh, yeah, that's a really great idea. But the layperson is not going to give a crap. And then you've got somebody like Carl Sagan or Neil deGrasse Tyson who are going to match their competence levels also with warmth, like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe more Neil than Carl. Maybe I have that wrong, but like. You add in a little bit of warmth, you add in a little bit of like, well, I'm just going to put this like a layperson. It's still going to be the same exact facts. I'm just going to put this like your average person can understand it, and I'm going to smile at you and make eye contact while I'm doing it. And I I get that. I get why that would be helpful and important. Like a youth pastor. Like a youth pastor, exactly. (laughs) I don't know any youth pastors that I know of, but yes. You know who else had a praise kink? <laughs> That's how youth pastors, they're very charismatic and they like have all their cool accessories and all their cool like buzzwords from TikTok about the Bible, which is, you know, kind of boring. Right. So they're talking about the Bible and then they open their palm and like, you know, look at whatever words they've gotten off of TikTok for the day. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, One issue I had, besides some of the gendered things that were mentioned, because I'm just going to say it, like, if someone, I feel like throughout my life, I have definitely felt professionally that I was treated as less competent. Um, I think that I am, for all intents and in purposes, a pretty warm person, but I do think that I have been perceived as less competent in the past. And I think a lot of that is simply that you're a woman. That's what I was about to say. I think that sometimes it's just I'm a woman, and some people don't like thinking of women as competent. Um, and you know that sucks for them. Have That's you tried speaking really, really deeply, like Elizabeth Holmes? She actually got brought up in this she book. Was. I thought that was interesting because if if y'all don't know. Uh, explain who Elizabeth Holmes is real quick and how <laughs> and and how her voice that we know was kind of irrationally deep. She, Elizabeth Holmes, was the creator of Theranos and is a famous fraudster. Theranos. Which I'm just like, you know what? If she could convince like all these like old white rich dudes to give her a bunch of money off this fake Theranos thing, then good, good for her. Yeah, good for her. Good job. Talk, talk deep. You know, but mess- apparently some of the okay, so she's competent, <laughs> yeah, and she is. I suppose I don't know her. Learn, you know, learned warmth, mm-hmm. and then we've on top of that, she's like, I feel like I'm not, like, I don't come across as competent as I am, right? So the author suggests like go to your deepest resting speaking voice, yeah. You know, so for me, this would probably be the baseline pitch. And I I can maintain that for a few hours. <laughs> but if I start getting excited, my voice starts going up like this. And she was talking about Margaret Thatcher had a problem mm-hmm. with that, mm-hmm. that she would be trying to raise her voice. Her voice would get more shrill. 
and would go up and pitch. And at that point, the men in the room tune her out mm. as saying or doing anything important. Like, you're not my mom. And that's their problem. That is their problem. What, <laughs> what folks need to do Who is needs listen to the damn message if you understand that this person is competent. But I just thought that was really interesting that she was suggesting that people like, don't deepen your voice like this. You know, you point your chin down to your chest and try to try to hit those lowest notes possible. Let's go for the the James Earl Jones thing. <laughs> That's not sustainable, nor does it sound real or authentic. And part of of charisma is authenticity. You know, like there's all this stuff that you're like, nah about but the the thing is if you can't integrate it into what you're doing authentically you shouldn't be doing it and that was kind of what she was saying about her yeah that like that was it was that voice that she was doing was more of a character than an authentic portrayal of herself yeah and i think some parts of the book i felt were a little like is this just training you to be inherently deceptive in your conversations like to feel like you're more engaged and excited than you might normally be in order to like in some ways manipulate this person into liking you god that's a really interesting point and the (laughs) the podcast which is how i discovered this my podcast app was suggesting some really whacked out things to me a couple of weeks ago and i saw this I thought it looked interesting, and I got about five minutes into it, and I thought Vanessa Van Edwards was interesting, and this was like something that I needed to check out, but the host was definitely trying to spin it that way, mm. where it was, you know, well, okay, so how can I get this girl in the bar to go home with me? How can I get her to act <laughs> like I'm interested in what she's saying? Like that kind of stuff, and that's... I could see a pickup artist. yeah. Picking, you know, taking this book yeah, in, in you can, the wrong way. You can certainly use this book for evil, but my problem is that I... You are evil. I default to evil. <laughs> no, I default to being kind of a little bit locked inside of myself. Mm-hmm. People can't tell if I'm having a, a good time talking to them, whether I am or not. It's just like, she's teaching me, hey, Adam, here's how you be authentic. Here's how you actually show what you're thinking and feeling like you were blessed and cursed with a super readable face. Oh no. (laughs) People can tell what you're thinking about what they're saying the whole time they're talking to you. That's all the feedback that they need. I'm just staring back at them, you know, with a slight frown and these little beady dark eyes (laughs) staring deep into their soul. And they're becoming more and more concerned that I'm about to attack them for what they're saying. Oh my God. When really it's like, no, I just want to know the rest of the ice cream flavors, lady. Like I just want an ice cream cone. (laughs) And she's like, I got to get out of here. Adam is correct. I, most people who are close to me definitely will let me know that I have a very readable face in meetings, in social situations, in Zoom, in person, whatever, like, if I'm displeased with something, it is very hard for me to hide it, and... Which is not the same thing as resting bothered face, (laughs) as she calls RBF. Yeah. That cracked me up so much that she found a more PC way of putting RBF. Yeah. But yeah, no, Amber does not have the RBF. (laughs) Like, if anything, I kind of have that. I'll actually have... 
I will be smiling, laughing, talking to friends, and some drunk lady will come up to me. This is a true story from Athens. Will come up to me and be like, you look like a fucking asshole. Like, you, why do you look so pissed off? I'm literally smiling right now. I'm literally smiling. And the other people in the band that, like, we were sitting on the sidewalk outside of the 40 watt because we were about to load in and play, my friends were like, you need to move on. Like, you know, I was in over my head already because I didn't I didn't know what to say to this lady. And I was really shocked that she just came up to me to tell me that I look like an asshole. That is actually, I feel like maybe this is wrong, but I feel like this is kind of more like the typical interactions that I have with strangers. Like oh someone God. will get a couple of drinks in them and come up to me and tell me that they the way I look makes them feel unsettled. I think that lady's just an asshole. <laughs> I run into a lot of assholes I was, then. I mean, yeah, me too. It's just called like being alive. I um, just reflect their asshole dad's face back at them. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. Um. So one thing about the book that... Uh, uh, another thing that kind of freaked me out a little bit was hand gestures. She's talking mm-hmm. about like if you want to be, and she was. She's this was super the, into hand gestures. The TED talk that we just reviewed right before coming down here, she was talking about the people that used twice as many hand gestures were like seventeen times more effective, and by that I mean like more persuasive or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I'm doing it right now on purpose, but I tend to just not make hand gestures when I talk. Yeah, like I. I, a while back, somebody pointed out to me that I never make any hand gestures when I talk. And I was like, okay, so I made up a few hand gestures that I could use. Like like maybe I'm like petting an invisible cat <laughs> while I'm talking. Or I'm like making my hands like I'm strangling an invisible person while I'm talking to people. Mm. Or this was my favorite. Like while a person is talking to me, I will cast... Uh, an invisible fishing line and reel it in. Mm. But the, here's the kicker is that like you have to wait, you know, it's like real fishing. Like you just <laughs> twitch that line a few times, like twitch, 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 leaving the other person feeling like Adam is really listening to what I'm saying. <laughs> he is waiting for my point patiently, like, like a lure in the water waiting for the perfect bass. I can't think of any hand gestures I use other than like flipping people off. <laughs> I feel like that's extremely persuasive in Atlanta traffic. It's like <laughs> you need to turn your ass around right now and come shoot at me. Oh my god, no. Yeah, please don't. I get way too nervous. Yeah, just kidding, don't. Um one thing that I really I and we talked about this beforehand, I really did not like was the Inviting cues versus the patient's cues. Whoa. Tell us about those. Right. So an inviting cue would be, so she has a couple of chapters where she's talking about how you can perceive other people rather than this is how people are perceiving you. You. It's also really important to take in how other people are reacting to what you're telling them. So you can have informed decisions on how to move from here so um a patient's cue would be 
I'm not into what you're saying. I'm kind of turning away from you. Mm-hmm. I'm looking down. I'm I'm doing it right now. Um, uh, like folding my arms over yeah. myself, like put your arms in between us, like yeah, kind of cover your hunching heart. shoulders, like yeah. someone is clearly uncomfortable. Oh. That is a patience cue, is what she would call it. I would call it a get the fuck away from me cue. <laughs> Or if you're me and I'm awake, Q. <laughs> um, I really don't like that, you know, we're seeing signs that women do not want to talk to you and a patient's cue would mean, well, convince them to talk to me. You know, I mm. really, you know, if a woman is into what you're saying, she's laughing, she's engaging back, she might even touch you. You know, she's leaning in, she's looking at you, but I have so many interactions with men where I'm clearly trying my best, other than just verbally telling them to fuck off, to show them that I'm really not into this conversation and I would rather them leave. And that never seems to get across, because <laughs> they just continue talking um, and bothering me and creeping me out. And I, I feel like the response to that is an entirely separate book that you probably need to either find. <laughs> or write yourself (laughs) well these guys think that they are well-intentioned and they think that they're cool and they think that talking to women like this is normal talking to women like what specifically like talking to someone who's clearly not trying to respond to you or just like the the pitch in general for hey you should talk to me yeah just like hey hey (laughs) sup (laughs) Oh, you <laughs> they giving you the upward head nod. <laughs> oh, what's you you come here a lot? Where you from? I haven't said anything. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, you're you're a bitch anyway. You're fat anyway. I'm like, you're talking to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> Leave me alone, please. I'm literally at work. <laughs> Sir, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> Another thing that uh, surprised, and that's, I'm pretty sure that all of the listeners are going to be like, why Adam was any of this a surprise? And it's only because it's it's like episode three. Um, the idea of like verbal warmth greetings. Mm. And I've, you know, a friend of mine walks into the room, my face will light up, which would be like a... <laughs> Amber just did a face at me that I often do, which implies I'm insane. But, hi. But it's, it's, well, hi. And what she's talking about is, oh, it's so nice to see you. And I, I don't, I was raised in a barn. I, you know, when I see my friends, I assume that they're, they understand that I'm happy to see them. Uh, but I kind of also feel like it's one of those things, like one of my exes would say, like, Adam, you need to open your mouth and say the thing that you're thinking. Because when people don't know what you're thinking, it's it's ambiguous. And as we've all learned, ambiguity is scary. I just want to be mysterious and sexy. Like a cat. <laughs> like a sexy, ambiguous, mysterious cat. <laughs> I need to be more like a dog, where, you know, like Jolene... When I come home, her tail is wagging so hard and she wants to like jump up and like get inside of my mouth. (laughs) And that's the only way that she could possibly convey like, 
hey, I really miss you and I'm glad to see you. Apparently, I need to be like 1% more like that. Because, you know, I love my friends. I value my friends. Mm-hmm. I, I love and value my acquaintances and even to a certain extent, like, you know, my enemies uh, and arch enemies. Those are important, too. Let's not forget Nemeses. those. Yes. Uh, you know, the folks from the guild. Um, <laughs> I uh, I need to be more vocal about like, hey, great to see you instead of, you know, that they walk up and join the conversation right where we left off six to nine months ago. Like to me, that's fine. I don't understand why, you know, why I would waste 90 seconds on, you know, hello, it is good to see you. I am, I am pleased at your presence. Well, a lot of people really don't like small talk. I fucking hate small talk. Yeah. You know, that's part of my personality, but according to Vanessa, I need to take one step towards you know the median i guess yeah i mean i think (laughs) i think me and my friends can be guilty of the small talk or the famous millennial like we need to get together soon we're never getting together we're never getting together soon and they did not get together soon (laughs) yeah girl i cannot wait to make (laughs) and cancel plans with you yeah um i think usually i convey my excitement when i see my friends it's like oh That's a little much. No, but I mean, that's that's kind of what she's talking about, you know, like, let's let's get the energy up and make, you know, start this interaction off right, you know, with like some really good, uh, excited, bubbly energy. And I get that, you know, uh, when I see people and they greet me like that, it makes me feel good. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. Because I'm a dick. Well, that's... No, you're, you're not. Um, that's your I don't personality. Know. I just, I've just never thought about it before. Yeah. You know, so she's making me think about some things that I've never thought yeah. about before. I don't Likewise. know. I don't have any idea why, you know. Um, I, I have come to think as I've been raising an autism spectrum child over the last 18 years, I have come to suspect that we have more in common than I thought at first. And this book made me realize that. I really liked the part where she addressed the email issue with women using too many exclamation points in their emails and just apparently appearing to be a lunatic. Yeah. Some there's of- a there's a like a Goldilocks zone of uh, emojis mm. and punctuation. You want to talk about that? I well, I have kind of a nuanced viewpoint of that because for the last, I mean, my pretty much my entire professional career, I've worked exclusively in offices of 99% women. Mm. Like, we might have that one guy who works there that will change the light bulb, or we, he knows where the batteries are. He always knows. He can reach things. I'm often the one guy. Yeah, the one guy. Um, so, we, I don't really ever feel like I need to filter what I say to be more masculine or turn down my femity, femininity <laughs> to be Femity. more competent in the workplace just because, I mean, I used to tell Adam, like, it's not a meeting at work unless somebody's crying at some point. Sadness or happiness. I think, <laughs> I think what this means is that, like, a lot of the points in the book that are trying to bring somebody like me 
into being able to express like I'm being quiet about a whole bunch of things. But if I wasn't, if I was to express these things and be more effective in public, how would I do so in a genuine fashion? And you've got genuineness, you've got charisma, and you don't really need to change anything. Is there anything from this book that you might add to your repertoire? Oh, for sure. And I, I don't mean to be a hater. It's just that was. I don't think you way. are, but you, you're already <laughs> you. You don't really need to change a whole lot. You know, like not all of these self help books are going to be super relevant to both of us, right? You know, like just because it didn't help me doesn't mean it's not helpful. Yeah. So, but I'm pretty sure that you've got at least a couple of takeaways from this book. You know, with the understanding, like, Amber's okay. You know, like, she, <laughs> this was not something she really needed to work on. No, I mean, I definitely think I can improve in a lot of ways. I think um, one of the things I joke about myself is that I am very unprofessional. I think that that helps me in my line of work sometimes, but I do think it definitely hinders me a lot. And I think that being a little bit more grown up, a little bit more professional, a little bit more coherent and cohesive instead of just like, I'm Amber and I'm fun all the time is beneficial. And I think that the parts where she was talking about speech and filler words, I think those are definitely helpful um, whenever I get nervous. Yeah, those are helpful for anyone. Right. That's I get helpful for nervous anyone. Anyone can work on Or that. I'm trying to collect my thoughts and I'm thinking a little too fast or I'm trying to just like fill in with just some like funny words. Um, like, you know, I think those can hinder me in recording a podcast and that's helpful to think about. Yeah, gosh. I I'm not going to do a like count on myself. I'm not going to do that to myself. But I, I hate listening to I know my voice. <laughs> she even talks about why people hate listening to yeah, their voice. Yeah, that was that interesting. They sound lower inside of their skulls than they sound in the room. Mm -hmm. So then you hear yourself and it's like comparatively like the helium version of what you've been walking around <laughs> hearing. I always just think I sound way more nasally. Like I know I sound a little nasally, but then I'm like, oosh. Well, I think it it works with the accent. <laughs> right. She didn't mention anything about accents that I come into count encounter all the time. Which I mean, I don't know. She's only got so many pages, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> you gotta keep it short. People are gonna put it down. Speaking of, I think we're going to pretty much wrap it up here in a second. Was there anything else that you wanted to review about this book before we uh, close close the book and move on to the next pages? Luckily, no trigger warnings this time. Oh, no. The Unless only... you're triggered by Shark Tank, because she loves a Shark Tank. And she loves The Last Supper. Mm. She uses that as an example for a whole chapter. <laughs> the Shark Tank thing, thing was pretty... Uh, pretty helpful to me though well i mean i listen but to it's it, a lot of that one example i listen to it like well his life turned out ultimately better that he okay so let me let me just like take a some steps back the part where she talks about shark tank a lot you know the capitalist fever dream reality show 
that is kind of funny to watch, but also like, ugh, like this is this is kind of hard. Like watching all these billionaires like put these people's lives in their hands. I anyway. have never watched Shark Tank, so I just <laughs> want to say for the other two people out there that haven't, it's a show where you pitch inventions. Um, not always. So Shark Tank is one of my closest friend, Malin. We have the same birthday. Um, it's her favorite show, and. It is basically a reality show where a person, usually a normal person for all intents and purposes. It's not going to be some famous inventor. Right. And brings forward an invention or like a concept or a business. Um, Because sometimes one of the criticisms that will be is, well, you have an invention, but you don't really have a business model. So... It's a lot of different things, and I mean, the show's been on for like 12 years or something, so there's got to be a lot more than just like silly, wacky inventions. Um, But yeah, and you have like four or five rich people who tell you like what they like and what they don't like about your presentation and your idea, and then they might offer you some kind of money investment for a percentage of stakehold in the company or the brand or the invention you've created um so it's definitely some high pressure definitely some pitchable you can even see the people who walk in there who may or may not have read some of Vanessa's books and been like oh right stand straight and project and ah and use the hand gestures and the jazz hands you know they're kind of doing that robotic charisma guy um thing it's not only the pressure of the the pitch and their own future and livelihood but they're about to be on a big TV Right, show. also, yeah. So a, a lot of people talk about how, well, at least they got their idea out there. And, yeah. you know, they get a little bit more hits on their website or some more orders, even if they didn't get an investment. But what Vanessa talks about in the book is a person who invented the ring doorbell, which... A lot of us have. We all have, yeah. yeah. I mean, true. <laughs> I one of my biggest fears is anyone knocking on the door at any time. Um, <laughs> so trauma victims get you a ring. Um, but he, for a variety of reasons, did not get an investment offer when he was on that show. And Vanessa explains all the things that he did wrong in his pitch, which... Yeah, he goes Me? on with this million-dollar idea yeah. and just falls flat on his face, but and we it's all... not because the idea's not because the invention's bad, right? Because we all know that Amazon has purchased Ring for billions of dollars, and my thing is when I'm hearing that is not that well he should have improved A, B, and C. Oh my gosh, I'm hearing that is the universe knew that that wasn't for him. And they knew that something better was going to be later. I don't know. That's how I interpreted that. (laughs) And I interpret that as people are dumb. Also. (laughs) You know, like this genius idea got dangled in front of your face and you were like, eh, whatever about it. You know, fuck those guys. Mark Cuban's just a genius. (laughs) I really honestly feel like if the if the pitch is the problem, fuck you guys. That's what I was saying. Like, who needs you? Like. So in short, if you need a good pitch in order to think that a good idea is a good idea, fuck you. Okay, well, that's definitely against everything the books. Crap. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think that 
there's a way to take in a lot of these ideas and these interesting concepts that Vanessa brings forward without making it your whole personality. <laughs> yeah, or being fake. Yeah. There's a lot to learn from this book. Y'all uh, check it out. Amber, uh, you got the socials on hand oh, ready for us? Yeah. So Vanessa. Oh, Lord. Okay. So she is V Van Edwards on Instagram. She has a lot of followers. Dang. She has definitely more followers than any other author that we've covered. Does she have more followers than me? She, a little bit. Okay, I'm few, angry. I'm angry now. Few. The anger is rising. <laughs> so she's on there. You can, uh, she's got a lot of cool videos and content and memes. Um, our socials, we have slightly fewer. Um, <laughs> at checking.in.podcast on Instagram. Please um, check out this book. Let us know if you liked it or if you thought it was trash because arguably we're going to have to get through some lighter books while we're doing these weekly. Um, we can't just be in the codependent no more mode of trauma this whole season. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for having us. We'll see y'all next week. Just one more time. I'm talking about the book club.